What up, what up, what up? This is your boy Roy, and you are now tuned into Back to Center Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to life, love, and the millennial struggle. Happy self-care Saturday, ladies and gentlemen, and happy belated Thanksgiving. Hopefully your week was well spent with both friends and family. Of course, mine went pretty well. Now, of course, as always, every Saturday, we got a lot to talk about, and the only two topics that are coming to mind as of right now is the first new COVID variant dropped straight out of South Africa. Seems like God was bored over the weekend. And the topic of conversation is all about Kyle Rittenhouse. And the question is, is our justice system truly biased or did we witness justice actually prevail? Let's talk about it. this out real quick. First of all, I want to say thank you so much for tuning in, but I also want to let you know there's a new way to support. Feel free to go into the description section of this podcast episode and click the donate button and donate what your heart desires. Thank you so much. What up, what up, ladies and gentlemen, and of course, thank you for tuning in. It's your boy, Roy, and of course, you're tuned into Back to Center Podcast. So, let's dive straight into it, man. Let's not even waste any time. Um, COVID is back. Well, it never left, obviously, but it seems like COVID just came through with this cousin. You know that random cousin that just shows up randomly every Thanksgiving or every holiday, you know? COVID has decided to go ahead and bring its own, right? And uh, this one's called Omnicron. So picture this. You just got your vaccination. You think you're good to go, right? They're trying to pitch you these boosters and shit. And you're like, nah, I don't need that shit. Well, seems like you're going to need one because apparently there's a new variant of COVID-19. It's called Omnicron. And this one comes straight out of South Africa. So Apparently, scientists are still unclear on how the effectiveness of the vaccines will be against the new variant flagged by a team in South America, which displays mutations that might resist neutralization. So, in other words, the shit that we made for the current COVID variant that we have, now with this new one, it's like a a patch update. It's like the gods decided to go ahead and give this one a patch. They're like, you know what? Let's upgrade COVID. Like, it was already bad enough to eradicate Let's go ahead and give them another variation of it to make it just a little bit harder. So they decided to go ahead and, you know, put out this patch. This one's going to be a uh, called a variant of concern, uh, apparently, according to the CDC and uh, the team over in South Africa. And that makes a lot of sense because obviously it's a new variant. Not a lot of people have gotten this variant, right? So it's kind of hard to determine what exactly is going to happen once you get this variant. Um, but if you ask me, as long as it's not Ebola, I'm okay. Because I don't know if, if anyone has seen the symptoms of Ebola or what happens when you get Ebola. That shit is like 10 times scarier. And the ironic part is that we didn't see this amount of crisis coverage for Ebola. Um, but of course, you know, when the CDC fucks up, or I should say Fauci and his team over at the gain of function lab decides to fuck up. You know, we need to have a global cover up for said uh, incident. Right. But hey, that's beyond the point. Realistically, what I want to hark on is what's going to happen or at least what I think might happen in regards to the new variant reaching the United States, because it's only a matter of time until it does. And then once it does, 
we'll see what exactly the Democratic Party will decide to implement as far as rollout. If you ask me what I think is going to happen, two words, concentration camps. Now, honestly, will concentration camps be a thing here in America because of the unvaccinated? Absolutely not. Um, I think here in America, we have this, we as a people have this issue where we take for face value what the media tells us. And that is the point of this whole entire podcast episode, especially when talking on something like such as the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. When we're told this information without having to do our own due diligence, we kind of get swayed. We get swayed left or right, right? It doesn't really matter so long as what the person is saying plays into how we feel about a certain scenario. So in this case, my boy Christian, shout out my boy Christian, decided to uh, send this this uh, post to me via Instagram. And he was like, did you see this? And I was like, I'm reading it. And I'm, I'm looking at the website. I'm reading through it. I'm like, this is complete BS with this. They had like this whole bill that they were apparently that the house was trying to pass based off of concentration camps and you know what i would be surprised like okay let me change that i would be like 75 percent surprised 25 percent not surprised because the reaction that we've seen from the public since covid has started has been on both extremes one of extreme carelessness and the other one of extreme caution right so i can imagine if we were to get another variant to hit the states would we see concentration camps? No, at least I don't think so. Now, my boy Christian, shout out Christian, he sent me a uh, a post on Instagram about, about this like apparent bill the house was trying to pass in regards to creating concentration camps in order to put unvaccinated people in. So I'm reading it. It's off this like shady ass website. I'm scrolling through the context and the content of the site. And I'm looking at this thing and I'm like, well, if they were to put people in concentration camps simply for not being vaccinated, I would call BS on that. Um, but I would also expect to see mass amounts of protesting, just like with everything else that's been going on. Um, but also, I would expect to see a lot of people that are vaccinated not even support something such as that, right? So after reading this entire post, I replied back to my friend Christian. I was like, well, you better get the vaccine, bro, because I, and you know, here's another thing. I got the vaccine um, because a, I had to for travel and for the company I was affiliated with at the time, it was something that I needed to do. Um, but after getting the COVID vaccine, a, I don't feel the effects that, you know, the right was propagating or claiming that I would feel um, B, I don't see the extreme caution that the left was talking about taking place in New York. I've been to about several restaurants in New York and not one of them has asked to see my vaccination card. I mean, obviously perhaps it's to not deter potential patrons from coming into the the restaurant itself. Um, but I'm not going to lie, man. I feel like I took a complete gamble that I didn't need to take, even though I don't feel anything. I do feel like I took a gamble that I didn't need to. Um, in order to appease the people I was affiliated with at the time. And that's ultimately the problem, right? The issue that I want to get to here in today's topic of conversation is how easily swayed we have become as a people based off of the media. And our lack of doing our own due diligence ultimately is what's going to be the thing to take us under, right? So to speak on this COVID variant is just a small taste or a the tip of the iceberg, rather, as to speak on the grand scenario that I want to get into today, which is 
the case of Kyle Rittenhouse. And I have two cases for that. First one's going to be Kyle Rittenhouse, and the next one is going to be Andrew Coffey IV, I believe. I'm probably wrong on that. I don't know my Roman numerals that well, but it's Andrew Coffey IV, right? So there's two cases, two cases where the defendant was the shooter, did kill people. Um, But the ultimate question is, are we seeing justice play out the right way this time? And if that's the case, is it just that we don't like the defendants? Like, at the end of the day, if these things come down to actual jurisdiction and, you know, actual observance and following of the law, making it fair for anyone, no matter what color they are, only for then that same defendant to get absolutely destroyed in the court of public opinion, in which where a majority of us are now going to not only base our opinions, but also conduct ourselves in this manner based off of the echo chamber that we find ourselves in. Are we just not liking the people that are getting off? Because at the end of the day, the more I learn about this case and the more I learn about Andrew's case as well, as I see a lot of parallels, a lot of similarities. Um, and yet, I mean, of course, one case is going to get a lot more coverage than the other because it was a lot larger And it's all what I think is a part of a grand distraction at hand, right? So when we come back from the break, we're going to talk about Kyle Rittenhouse. The ultimate conversation being, is he a hero, vigilante, or neither? If you ask me personally, I think he's neither. But we'll dive deeper into that and talk about the other cases as well once we come back from the break. This is your boy Roy, and you've been tuned into Back to Center Podcast. Told me all 
throughout history The loneliest people were the ones who always spoke the truth The ones who made a difference But we're standing in difference I guess it's up to me now Should I take that risk or just smile? What do you know? It happened again misread by kings of convenience and welcome back this is your boy roy and of course you are tuned into back to center so let's dive straight into it I'm not trying to make this an epic long podcast episode about this to be quite frank i don't actually give a fuck about this uh the story um the only reason why i'm speaking on it is because a i have a podcast and i mean i need a content so why not but b there's something to be said about when we constantly and consistently sway or make decisions based off of public opinion, right? Now, I've watched the case. I've gone through, like, I've read stories and shit. And I also want to preface this in saying that, A, I do not find Kyle Rittenhouse to be a hero. But B, I also don't find him to be a vigilante. Um, I would like to chalk this up as to the case of a bunch of men who decided to fuck around and find out. And that goes for everyone. That involves Kyle, uh, gross cunts, or whatever this dude's name is. I think it's like Greg or some shit. Um, and the other two, quote-unquote, victims, even though one of them was like a, a staunch pedophile. It's kind of wild to see people make posts about calling uh, Kyle Rittenhouse a murderer. Meanwhile, at the same time, though, when you consider the story as to what actually happened that night, I mean, obviously putting context clues together and just paying attention to the uh, the trial itself, but also getting that background information that one of them was an alleged pedophile and Grosskrantz has a very large rap sheet, which extends beyond almost a decade worth of crimes. Um, it's kind of, I wouldn't say it's apparent to see as to how or why um, they were shot. I almost said murdered, but... uh. Yeah, as to how or why they were shot, but it's clear to see how some people just don't generally do the research or due diligence necessary. And of course, you have to give a fuck about something like this to do that. Um, but they see a meme based off of some like half-assed report on the news, and then they just take it, repost it. And then this is how people end up in their own collective echo chambers, right? This is how people... When they see something such as that being reposted, then that's how they make their opinions. That's how they formulate their responses to certain things. And boom, there you go. You just have ignorance perpetuating more ignorance. And it's a never-ending cycle that just keeps going, right? So when I think about the Kyle Rittenhouse case, there's a lot of context involved. There's a lot of things that need to be said, right? in regards to what happened. And then ultimately it needs the self-reflection of said person who has decided to 
you know, put a label on this scenario. And the question I would ask is, what would you do if you had a Glock to your face? Now, for context, Kyle Rittenhouse decides to drive all the way down to Kenosha. Apparently, that's where he was from. And apparently, that's where he had friends and, you know, other family that were doing business in Kenosha. And to go a little bit further than that, the reason why Kenosha was proverbially on fire is because of the protests that were going on during that time, right? So these three gentlemen decide to partake in the quote-unquote festivities of the protest. And I mean, some people were there with good intentions. Some people were there with bad intentions. That's just the way it goes, right? But in this case, those three gentlemen were there, I guess you could say, with good intentions at the forefront, but bad intentions on the back end. Um, So when Kyle decided to arrive there, apparently he was actually doing some work. He was actually helping in regards to making sure that some buildings stayed safe, making sure that people stayed safe. And it wasn't until he was pressed that he fired his weapon. Now, when I say pressed, that's a real light way of saying being chased down the block, getting a skateboard thrown at your head, being hit with said skateboard, hitting the ground, and then only turning around at the final second to find a Glock in your face, Glock held by Mr. Uh, Grosskrantz himself. So, and you know, side note, the funny thing about the trial is that when Kyle's, uh, Kyle's lawyer was asking Grosskrantz what happened exactly, he asked him several questions. He, and the main question that he asked, which was easily, easy to see that based off of his answer, this was going to get, you know, essentially thrown out, was, was it not until you pointed your gun at Kyle that you were then shot. And then he was like, yes. And what blows my mind is that there were so many obvious points throughout this trial, which can clearly show you that Kyle actually, as much as you don't want to admit it, he wasn't in the wrong. I mean, my question to you, listener, is what would you do if someone had a Glock in your face? Forget about if he should be there or not. Forget about you know, why he brought an AR-15. The question is, if you had a Glock in your face, are you going to wait and let this person shoot you first? If you ask me, I'm saying, fuck no. I'm, listen, he said he got his right bicep eviscerated. I probably would have done worse. I would have aimed straight for the head or the chest, considering he's right in front of me. Center mass is where I'd want to put that round. Um, So he's kind of lucky that he got his fucking right bicep completely obliterated because... Could it have been, you know, half a foot over, pointed right at his chest? He probably wouldn't even be alive to leave that testimony. But nonetheless, thankfully, he was, right? So when I think about this case, I don't see it as race. Like, the argument that this is a white supremacy, you know, trial gone right or gone awry is totally off-base and off-center. And frankly, I hate hearing that that talking point because there is no evidence in that talking point and on top of that how could this be about race how in the world could this case be about race first of all it was for like (laughs) the first time someone has probably ever said this on air this was white on white crime right this is the first time at least i've ever seen black people and we're just going to use color context just to be technical here this is the first time i've ever seen black people as a community get riled up about a crime that involved only white people and what's shocking to me is because the argument is 
oh, if Kyle was black, this would have been different. This case would have come out completely, completely different. And here's where I disagree with that. I disagree with that because in the case of Andrew Coffey, IV, again, I don't know the exact number, he was acquitted of his murder in regards to his own shooting, right? And Andrew is a black man. So here is Andrew. Andrew is a black male. He was in Indian River County. And I have the story here pulled up, so I'll just go ahead and read it. Nearly five years after a deadly shootout with the Indian River County Sheriff's Office at his Gifford home, Andrew Coffey, IV, convinced the jury that he wasn't at fault for the chaos and death of his girlfriend in its wake. But on Friday's decision isn't the end of his legal matters, nor does it end the dispute about the issues with the rape. So to give a little more context about Andrew's case, Andrew was asleep. He was, matter of fact, I'll just read it verbatim. March 19th, 2017, a sheriff's office uh, special weapons and tactical team, SWAT, went to Coffee's home at the 4500 block of 35th Avenue with a search warrant. Several family members, along with Coffee's girlfriend, Alteria Woods, apologies if I'm saying that incorrectly, were inside the home. Now, Coffee told the court that he was asleep at the time the SWAT team arrived. He woke up and thought he was being robbed. Coffee said he saw what appeared to be a rifle sticking through an open bedroom window pointed at him. That's when he fired a 45 caliber pistol out of the window, shooting two or three times. Unfortunately, the SWAT team also returned fire, striking and killing Woods in the process. So here's a man defending his home and his family, and he decided to go ahead and fire upon what he thought was a rifle, and indeed he was correct. And now, in this case, the SWAT team decided to return that fire, unfortunately not striking the perpetrator, but they killed his girlfriend. So with all that being said, what happens next? Well, the jury said Coffey, 27, was not guilty of second-degree felony murder for Woods' death, or three counts of attempted first-degree murder of a law enforcement officer by discharging a firearm, and one count of shooting or, quote-unquote, throwing a missile. I don't know why they put throwing a missile at the end of it, but I guess just for legal purposes, they described it in that way, right? Now, here we have two cases of two men who defended themselves. How they ended up in that scenario for them to be in a position to have to defend themselves with lethal force, in this case, does not matter. But the case remains the same. Two gentlemen, Kyle Rittenhouse, Andrew Coffey, they decided to do whatever they felt was necessary to defend themselves, right? In Andrew's case, it was his girlfriend and his home, even though unfortunately he failed the first objective. And for Kyle's case, it was to defend himself, even though he decided to go out of his way into said territory. Now, you can make the argument that he was, you know, 17-year-old kid just looking for trouble, decided to go ahead and drive down there and take advantage of a, a bad situation, right? And part of me would agree. I would definitely say that. I mean, no point did I ever feel like what he did was heroic. Um, I don't think he was inspired and was like, you know what, I'm going to go defend this territory, this piece of land. That's a great defense. That's a great thing to say in court. But if you ask me, I think he was looking for trouble, just like, you know, any 17-year-old with a legally with a legally owned firearm potentially would. And this isn't to, you know, put a label on those kind of things, but I think if you have a firearm, at some point you'd be itching to actually use it in a real-world scenario, right? That's why 
we get guns to use them for real world scenarios, not to just shoot at non-living targets. And I know that sounds dark, but that's the reality of the situation, right? So it was a perfect opportunity to do so in some respects, at least that's what I think. And, you know, he decided to go down to Kenosha. He did what he felt was necessary at that time, whether it be helping people against the protesters or at that point it was rioters because there were riots going on regardless. And that's a total side note. When those, when political or public strife turns into public rioting, no one gets their point across, right? There will never be support for any sort of movement that involves the tearing down of their own community. And on top of that, that's exactly what happened in Kenosha. They ended up going, they ended up doing riots, right? These riots resulted in the teardown of multiple businesses, both small and large. And unfortunately, what's probably going to happen, or probably what did happen after that scenario, was those that had those businesses within that area decided to move. I mean, really think about it. If whether you own a small business or a large business, why would you place your business in an area that is likely to be consistently protested, consistently rioted, and your building will consistently get vandalized? That just doesn't make any sense. And if you ask me from a business perspective, man, fuck all the people that live there because I'm going to take my business and move it somewhere where I know there's still good foot traffic, foot and vehicle traffic, and I can make a profit without risking my building, even though, of course, there might be insurance, right? But that's a whole other topic for another day. If you ask me personally, I just don't think those kind of riots or anything of that sort, without it being backed by money or people with severe influence, it doesn't get anything done. If anything, it just irritates the other party, and then you're back at square one. So there goes that. But to go back on the, on the case for Kyle Rittenhouse, Again, I ask, if you had a Glock pointed to you, what would you do? And to be fair, he didn't fire on anyone until that moment. So looking at the trial, watching the trial, reading the transcripts, it was clear to see that this was going to get thrown out, right? And I think the ultimate factor that really solidified that decision for me in regards to the jury finding him guilty or not was when the prosecutor, when that dude decided to play the uh, Call of Duty uh, gun argument, oh man, that's when you knew it was over. I wish I could play the soundbite for you, but if you go on YouTube, you can find it. Um, but essentially, it's about five minutes worth of him asking Kyle as to where he got his inspiration for the style of gun that he had. And he tried to link his AR to Call of Duty and then from a macro level, try to say that it was Call of Duty that inspired him to go shoot and not a, you know, a sudden state of heroism that inspired him to go out and defend people in Kenosha. And honestly, between that and also reading about um, Grosskrantz's like, mal-aligned testimony, after hearing that mal-aligned testimony and the, the fatal flaw in it, which being him admitting to, it wasn't until he drew his own weapon that he was fired upon made me that and a bunch of other information made me realize like, Oh, this is all bullshit. So 
you know, Kyle goes away. I wouldn't say scot-free. He's got to deal with killing two people or catching three bodies, rather, for the rest of his life. Um, but here's what irritates me the most. The court of public opinion. I, I wish I could make a whole podcast, and I should. I should make a whole podcast episode on the court of public opinion. But the court of public opinion, god damn it. It's, it's one thing to think that Kyle is guilty. I could totally under if you want to argue that point, there's many parts as to which you can argue that he was guilty, right? Even though obviously looking at the video and the rest of the context, you'll clearly see that that argument is bullshit. But if you want to argue that, fine. If you want to argue if this was black, I just gave you a case. Oh, side note, the murderers of Ahmad Arbery have been found guilty. So again, I don't think color has anything to do in regards to how the jury finds the case to be, whether that be for Ahmaud Arbery, Andrew Coffey, or Kyle Rittenhouse. I think what we're really seeing is justice actually get played out the way it's supposed to be, which is justice is blind, does not look upon the person, but it looks at the facts of the situation, right? But the court of public opinion, though, God. God, it, oh, it's frustrating because here I am on LinkedIn, right? I'm just scrolling, minding my business. And I, I have a bunch of people that I follow on, uh, on LinkedIn or people that I'm connected with on LinkedIn that are very, I guess you could say, are very left. Um, again, if you ask me about political affiliation, I don't believe in any of you motherfuckers. I don't care about the Democratic Party or the Republican Party, but that is besides the point. I'm scrolling by, I see this post where this person posted this email that they got from their superior, which said, Kyle Rittenhouse was found not guilty on all charges. And if you need to take a day for yourself to process the information that the nation just heard, we totally understand. Man, how jelly-backed have we become as a society? That someone who is not even affiliated, someone who is not even affiliated with Kyle's family, the victim's family, or Kenosha itself, has deemed it necessary that they need to take a day or two off from work. Again, work that does not involve anything of that magnitude, simply because the courthouse was actually correct. Because the jury did its due diligence, went through all the evidence, went through everything was presented, and came to the correct verdict. You decide that you need to take time off? Man, what the fuck is this society turning into? Honestly, what is society turning into? Like, I've never... Once I read that post and I seen that email, my mind, like, it, like, blew up. It exploded. I was just like, there is no way. There is no way people are taking off because of Kyle Rittenhouse. And this is what annoys me the most because none of these things move the needle towards any sort of change. None of these conversations that the people on the far left or the far right have facilitate any sort of change. It's all just complaining or overreacting, like taking a couple days off or even storming the Capitol. Both of those things are two very extremes. 
For what reason? For what reason are you taking off? Because you failed to do the due diligence in order to understand the information. Therefore, you're reacting towards someone else's rehashed talking points. And then in regards to the far right calling him a hero, there's no way this kid is a hero. Not in any stretch of the imagination. There is no way this kid is a hero at all. Can you say he did some good things during his time when he went down to Kenosha? Of course. But to say he's a hero would be a slap in the face of actual heroes that do this day in, day out that are in the military, right? I think in closing, we've seen the right verdict for all three of these cases, whether that be Ahmaud Arbery, Kyle Rittenhouse, or Andrew Coffey. The real issue here, I believe, is the court of public opinion. And one, the only thing I can say to that is that as more and more people do their due diligence for the things that they are the most concerned about, they'll be able to come to their own conclusion like I and anyone else who did some research on the trials did, right? So that's about it. Other than that, I'm going to let you go. This has been a more of a rant than an actual show. Next week, we're going to talk about setting up expectations in regards to having a great 2022. And that is about it. Talk to you soon. This is your boy, Roy, and you've been tuned into Back to Center Podcast. Thank you.